or worldwide, worldwide. international intellect dialect from the spiritual the original born again miracle a worldwide, a worldwide. international a worldwide, worldwide. international intellect dialect from the spiritual the original born again miracle a worldwide Hey y'all, welcome to episode number two of the KJ52 podcast. I uh, wanted to just take a quick second before I jump into this interview with the homie Golden Child and let you know, please, if you enjoy what's going on here with the podcast, head over to iTunes, rate, comment, give me five stars, all that stuff. It helps me to uh, drive traffic to the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Also, something I've launched is a Patreon page, which is www. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash KJ52. So if you ever hear like an exclusive song in here that I play a snippet, you can get that song completely as a download on that Patreon page. Please become a patron. It helps pay for you know the expenses of this podcast and things of that nature. Uh, for $1, just all the bit helps. For $10, you get... Uh, access to all kinds of unreleased songs, including the ones I play in these podcasts. For 30 bucks, you can join the merch club, plus the uh, the other stuff. If you ever have music that you want feedback on, you can uh, join for 50 bucks, et cetera, et cetera. Just go over there and check it out, patreon.com forward slash KJ52. Uh, super appreciate the support over all the years. You guys are awesome. Love y'all. God bless. Uh, well, thanks, man, for dropping <laughs> on. Uh, for those that don't know, this is my man, Golden Child, a.k.a. Jack Marlowe Jr., a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Haircut Slicer, a.k.a. one-third <laughs> of the Whack MCs, a.k.a. what else am I missing? Any more titles? Uh, High Priest. Used to go by that name for about 10 oh, minutes. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> uh, Did I miss any other titles? I'm forgetting. You've been in, oh, uh, one-third of the Rejects. One-third of the Rejects. And uh, uh, one-fourth of the Lost Cause. One-fourth of Lost Cause. Uh, ghost producer to the stars. <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess. Hey, hey uh, well, so thank you for jumping on here. This is the KJ52 podcast. Um, I am uh, kind of working my way up to this documentary, and so to kind of let give some people some insight, I thought I would go back and uh, interview some people about some, you know, really significant records and events and situations of my career coming up. So, Obviously, this cannot all be contained in one podcast. I think we're going to have to do it part two, three, four. It'll be like the Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> KJ52 trilogy. Exactly. But uh, I thought we could at least maybe jump in. And uh, for those that are tuning in, uh, I'm going to throw up an exclusive uh, track to the Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash KJ52. Uh, either maybe like an unreleased Golden Child track or maybe an unreleased track that we did or something like that. So... So anyway, I thought I would kind of best place to start is really maybe at the very beginning. Uh, for those that really, there might be actually people out here that have no idea what I'm even referring to. Um, so in my timeline, it starts with King J. Mack, and I put out a little EP. And then shortly, a couple years afterwards, I met this kid. And when I say kid, I mean literal kid. He was a kid at the time. Uh <laughs> And then we started working uh, on what would be my first and your first full-length yep. project called Sons of Intellect, Insightful Comprehension. So I thought maybe we could just kind of go back to where it all started. Uh, it was that little, <laughs> that little, that little uh, Christian club 
known as uh, what was the name? What did what did Mike used to call that spot? He had a name for it, didn't he? X generation. Yeah, Gen X. Gen, Gen X, X or X, yep. something with X. This is the '90s, so everything was X-related. X Games, Extreme. Yeah. So yeah, Extreme uh, with X. Everything <laughs> was X-related. So I remember we he invited me to come and perform at this spot, and I'm like just excited for any particular show I could ever get. And I walk in, and the room maybe fit like 50 people. And it was just basically just a room with a tiny stage and some pool tables. It was basically the, the youth room at the church. And um, yep. I got up there. I was super awkward. I'm sure I was terrible. I'm sure I had been just working on songs like that week. Uh, I, I, I know I have footage somewhere with me with like a scary hoodie, and I realized like I had ridiculous acne at the same time. So I think I was. <laughs> I might have been. I might have been 19. I was probably still a teenager. Uh, but you happen to be in the audience, and I have footage of this to prove it. Really? Yes. I never saw he, that. He panned over to you, and you had your Chip and Pepper t-shirt. Oh, yeah, Chip and Pepper. <laughs> do you remember that night? Uh, yeah, I do, because uh, he started doing the freestyle stuff, and then Mike said, oh, I got a kid that freestyles, and I think at the time I was 13, 14. Yeah, you and, were um, definitely junior high. Yeah. Crazy. Did you free, you didn't freestyle on stage? It was in the parking lot, right? No, no, I free, I freestyled on stage with you, and then uh, we went in the parking lot and rapped a little more because uh, I guess it had piqued your interest. And then a few days later, uh, we met up at a basketball court and did some more freestyling just to see if there was a cohesiveness, I guess. Yeah. So I I I I, I think for me a lot of that night was a blur, probably because I was <laughs> like holding my bruised ego at my performance, but, uh, I, I, I do remember you coming up to me and you say, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know why, I don't know why this sticks in my head. Cause I'm like, what you go, yo man, magic Mike, man, he's a Christian rapper, bro. Have you checked him out? <laughs> I do remember that the DJ magic Mike bass tapes. And I was like, yeah, no, let, he's a Christian. Yeah. You, and let's clarify. We're not talking about magic Mike, the, the Channing Tatum. The movie, no, the movie. DJ Magic yeah, Mike yeah. from like the, the early nineties. Yeah, the original Magic Mike. <laughs> and I thought, what a random thing to come up and ask me and to tell me. You're like it was I, I almost felt like you were trying to relate to me like on some Jesus rap level or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, Who is this little skater boy? Yeah. Uh, but I think you know, I think it's kinda of funny to think of like the relationship of hip hop to skating in the nineties. Yeah. All all the skater kids that I came up with, none of them listened to hip hop. They were all into like no. punk and metal. And it was yeah. like the nineties was the era where something something broke and underground hip hop found a you know, found a real uh home with skate little skate little skate white boys, little suburban skate white boys. <laughs> right? Yep, oh yeah. So what I mean, what drew you to that music in the first place? Um, I mean, since I since I was young, my cousin was into hip hop. My cousin's like seven years older than me, so when I was five years old, he was twelve, and I remember um, he had showed me um, Boogie Down Productions, Bridges Over, in South Bronx, and mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is this is different. But I always kind of liked it. I, I think you know, there's no secret when people hear my music. I think what really kind of I don't want to say convinced me that I could actually 
start rapping, but when uh, Enter the 36 Chambers came out in 93 and it had a bit more of an aggressive edge, I was like, man, maybe I, maybe I could really rap because I, I would freestyle and stuff, but my, my voice, I mean, I was a kid, but my voice still it was raspy and rough. It wasn't that smooth. Like, you know, you listen to Rakim and, and um, KRS and these guys, they had those really bombastic, like, smooth voices. There was no real roughness to hip-hop. Right. And, 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 you know, prior to 36 Chambers coming out, I mean, you had Dr. Dre the Chronic, and that was smooth, too. It was, there was no real roughness to hip-hop at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's funny to hear you say. It. I never thought about it from that um, from that angle. I always thought just skate kids like Wu Tang. That's just what they're supposed to do. <laughs> well, I mean, it, well, it, it, I think, well, like you said, a lot of skating was kind of uh, punk rock before, and Wu Tang kind of had that edge where it was like this isn't like typical hip hop. You know, it had the kung fu flick thing, which who doesn't like kung fu flicks? You know what I mean? And uh, it just kind of <laughs> was. It was just different, and it grabbed, you know. The attention. I mean, it's crazy. Like you said, the whole crew that I skated with, everyone listened to hip hop. No one listened to rock. It's weird. Right. Right. Um, well, okay. So let's let's stop here because I'll be honest, man. What really kind of surprised me about you, and it's probably, I think, probably what connected us because I think musically we were a little bit on different polars. Yeah. I was not really into Wu Tang like that. And you just named Rakim and Dre and 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 KRS, and that's like all the guys that I was really into. Yeah, coming up, and so I thought musically we were kind of two sort of polar opposites. Not that those two didn't have overlap, but um, I felt felt like freestyling was definitely the it was like the common ground. Yeah, oh yeah. And I, not that I was some prolific freestyler at nineteen, but I was certainly trying to be better and you know, like anything in your teenage years, you're just trying to figure it out as you go along. But I, I can't forget going, man, this is a freaking 13 year old kid that could come off the head as good as anybody that I knew <laughs> that I ran with or kicked it with. And that was definitely freestyling was really like a, I have to say was like a rite of passage. Like, it wasn't like an optional skill set. It was like yeah. either you had to do it. Whether you were good at it or not, you were going to get tested. Oh, yeah. I felt like in that era. And um, so I'm, I'm curious to know, was it was it something like you sat down one day and you were like, I'm just going to try and come up with a rap off my head, and, and the words came? Yeah, and what's crazy is thinking back to that time, I remember when we actually started talking about making music, and you're like, you've never written a rap? And I was like, no, nah, man, I just freestyle. I never really thought about sitting down and writing, because remember, I was still at that point, I was like, can I really do like, This is the weird thing, and I never really talk about this publicly. Even in the skate circle that I ran in, we all listened to hip-hop, but the minute I started rapping, all my skaters were like, well, dude, you can't rap, you're white. Like, even if you're good, that's just not acceptable. Like, there was still... <laughs> It's no joke. I'm not even joking, dude. Like, and when I really started taking it serious and doing shows with you, some of my skate friends weren't even friends with me no more because they were like, dude, you know, you're not black. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Is this really like a thing? Like, it was just so odd. But um, yeah, man, I just one day was uh, was uh, kicking it with some kids at school that 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 were spitting rats, and I just started rapping. And you know, of course, it, I, you know, I probably thought it was the greatest thing, and looking back, it probably wasn't. But just the ability 
to have like a mental dictionary and be able to learn how to rhyme words. I really don't know how I knew I had this skill set. It just kind of came. And then meeting you really um, kind of fostered that and uh, pulled it out of me more. And um, yeah, man, it, it's just crazy because nowadays barely anybody freestyles. And so well, I'm an artist. I'm not really a rapper. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think that, you just said it. I think the key there is the idea of a mental dictionary, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, God, if I don't know, I, I don't know if having a mental dictionary is inherently ingrained or it's the way the brain works or something like that, but you're right. Like, it seems like guys either, you just either know how to do it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, like, I, I mean, I'm, I would assume maybe, maybe you could learn it, but yeah, I, I mean, I've never really met someone that can learn it. Like, anyone that I've met kind of has always freestyled. Like, mm -hmm. um, what really uh, amazed me about your freestyles was I could just freestyle whatever I was thinking, and then you would actually freestyle, hey, throw me a word or, or give me an image or give me a topic or hold up this thing or pull this out of your pocket. And I was like, wow, that that's a whole different aspect of freestyling, and it challenged me. Like, I hadn't thought of that. It, it, I think that actually made me a better freestyler. Because then it was, um, yeah, man. Anyone can just sit there and rap whatever they're thinking. But can you, can you take this and, and, and do that with it? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think well for me that whole idea was that it. You're right. It, it, the easiest thing to do with freestyle is just have a conscious stream of thought. Yes. You know because you're not, you're not parametered by any sort of rules. But you're right. I knew. I noticed as soon as I had to get topical or specific, I was like, oh, this is pushing me to be better. And the other thing part of it was I knew that there was always like this underlying current of, is this guy really freestyling or is he kicking a written? So yeah. Once you, got, once you got topical, there was no denying. Yeah, there, you know. there isn't. Yeah. Nothing and it was funny. Really... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm go in ahead. my oatmeal. Please, please go ahead. <laughs> what 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 also and and you'll you'll relate to this the era we came up in you know everyone had what was quote unquote the crutch so you knew how to find someone's crutch in their freestyle you'd hear the the phrase they'd always draw back on and then they know okay he's definitely freestyling because he's referred to this phrase or this word almost every other bar and and that was almost like a thing oh yeah he's definitely freestyling because there's his crutch you know what I mean right so yeah yeah we'd call it clutching or crutching or your yeah. fallback word. I used to call it the fallback yep. word because it's the word yep. that you would fall back on when you couldn't think of something. Yep. So yep. the best guys I always knew, they never had the fallback word. Yeah. You know, they, they learned how yep. to eliminate the fallback word out of their vocabulary. So for most yeah. dudes, it would be like, I grabbed a microphone and I blank. Or yeah. coming off the head like blank. You know, they would always have some sort of phrase yep. that you could tell. And usually the novice guys, you know, they use their, their clutch word all the time, or phrase, or whatever you want to call it. Um, yep. But uh, the funny thing I thought, I, I look back on this now, and I was thinking about this today while I was getting ready. I was like, man, what? The, the, I met you, I want to say I met you, or I brought you to something the exact same week that I first met my wife. Even yeah. I kind of yep. per I peripherally knew her and I peripherally knew you, 
But I'm saying, like, there was a very significant week where I want to say maybe and her probably went on our first date or something like that. And it was also, like, the first time I ever brought you. Because I remember this very clearly is I had a show, and I brought you as the hype man. Yes. Or I, or I brought you just to, like, kick a verse or something. I was like, yo, I'm going to do the show. Why don't you come through? Or I'm going to yep. pick you up. And I never forget, you did the whole show. You would not stare at the crowd. You kept staring at me. And I was yep. getting irritated. I'm like, bro, you gotta, you gotta yeah. look at the crowd. Stop looking to me to like give you the cue. Yeah, and that's. I think that's probably maybe was the beginning. And, you know, I was I was as I was a youth leader at my church, and so I probably was the time where I was like feeling a sort of degree of like leadership or mentorship oh, yeah. or taking somebody on your wing or just you know the idea of discipling somebody through your life or you know, just through lifestyle. And I think that's probably because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on the verge of 20. This is still a kid. So, you know, there's not a lot of common, you know, there's not a lot of common like shared experience from just like two homies kicking it because obviously the age range between 13 and 19 is a big difference. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm going to keep picking this kid up and taking him places, it's just going to look weird. (laughs) It's going to look weird. Yeah. So I remember, well, you know, I, my dad really trusted you. I remember, you know, you and him having a conversation, and then, you know, he told me, as long as you're with this guy, I'll support what you're doing, you know. Because I think that, you know, at the time I was – I don't want to say I was straying from my faith, but uh, I, I knew my dad knew that, that a deeper relationship with Christ would, would come out of it more importantly than, than an album or, or lyrics. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So we're actually jumping ahead a little bit because I was still okay. Rolling. Sorry, I, I I was still rolling as King J Mac in the day. Yeah, yeah. Day, and I was still doing solo shows as King J Mac. So you actually kind of really more started off as like a hype man. Yep. You know, slash I'd give you like a little spot to kick a verse or and whatever. And I remember I I kind of remember consciously going to your mom I think and being like, hey, just so you know, like I'm not some creeper guy trying to pick up your yeah. kid. <laughs> like you yeah. know, I look at this as like a mentorship thing, and you don't have anything to worry about, whatever. And uh, so I, I feel like I brought you to a few shows, and probably like one of the first ones I felt was like a really significant thing was when we opened up for T Bone. Do you remember that? Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, yes, I do. That's still the King J Mac era, but there was this church up in Orlando that would bring in T Bone quite a bit. So this was like a big deal to, to open up for T Bone. And oh yeah, especially in that time, he was like, he was in it. The, yeah. And I remember you were like, you were such an underground little hater. <laughs> <laughs> like if it wasn't like this type of hip hop, you were like, nope, not feeling it. Don't like it. That sucks. Yeah. That's whack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember I got a few times being like, well, that might be your feeling, but like there needs to be like, you know, hey, like. Let's take advantage of these opportunities. Yeah. And I, I want to say, like, that show was the first show where we ever, like, got a hotel and stayed overnight. And I think I – did I, isn't that the one where I scared the crap out of you in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah, because you, you kind of talk in your sleep, and it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let me let me explain what happened. So basically, you know, the show actually went really, really – I remember the show going really, really well. I don't even think it did, I it did. pressed up. I don't think I had a King J. Mack tape or anything. I think I just had, like – I might have had like a dubbed cassette tape or something like that. So I was definitely like still coming up. But 
I have always been a – I've been two things growing uh, my whole life. I've been a super heavy sleeper, and I talk quite a bit. I've been like a very active sleeper. So I think at the time I was renting a room from a family, and I would just start yelling in my sleep, and I would wake them up because I would be such a loud <laughs> – I used to have my brain was trying to process everything. So you, I remember this funny because you told me the next day, you said that I, as you were getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I sat up in the pitch black dark and I yelled, Rock! What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah, like like you were yelling at the crowd, like, why aren't you rocking with me? <laughs> you said it like freaked you out and then I just laid right back down and went to sleep. Went back to sleep. Yep. And laid right back down <laughs> on your pillow and I'm just standing there like, what, what just happened? <laughs> Definitely yeah. the beginning of of many road stories. Um, oh yeah, that would happen. But anyway, so I think I, I I kind of feel like at the time, you know, in my head, I was like, well, I'm going to do this King J Max thing. Did I have a tape then yet? Or you I were working that? on at that time. You were recording Mathematical and a lot of those new tracks with with that producer in Orlando, and you were in the process of that. That that's where you were with so at I, that point. So, okay, so I would have been in college, but no, I feel like I had. I feel like I came up. I made the back from the grave tape at some point. I no, like when 94. I met you, when I met you, when I met you, you already had the back from the grave tape. Okay, so I did. Okay, so I did have a piece of product. Yeah, yeah I did. I did yes. make like a little four-song cassette, which uh, down the road I'm gonna break down those songs for you guys and all their not glory. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you're right. So I went off the. I remember I I just met you. It was like also the same time I I went off to Bible college. Also, yep. right when I started dating my wife, and you're right, I did. I did started going into like a stylistic change, where I was like, I mm-hmm. gotta get better, you know, like I gotta get, I got, I just have to get better as an artist. But yeah, I didn't really have any beats or anything. So there was a there was a guy by the name of Tony Payne out of Orlando that was like really, out of his generosity, like just supplying me with tracks and studio time and all that stuff. And yep, I was still King J Mac, and I came back from that from that trip like I, I'm curious to know from your perspective like what was going through your head at that time well I, yeah I remember you went you went to, to Bible college and uh, I remember you know we were doing shows but it slowed down because you were really focused on on being at Bible college and then uh, you had told me you met this other dude and you kind of started this hip-hop jazz fusion thing called Sons of Intellect right and I was like oh, okay <laughs> cool you know Move away, start a rap group, I get it. I mean, but uh, we never really were a group, so I didn't, I wasn't really upset about it. I was like, oh, you know, you know, I've always just kind of rolled with him and been, been his hype man anyways. I don't really think that's going to change. It'll just be with this other guy, whoever it is, which I never met the other dude. Um, yeah. So let me, let me pause then, that. Let me yeah. pause that for real quick and explain, because people are like, what? So when I, he said I went to Bible college, let us let me clarify. I went two hours away, and I went for one whole semester. <laughs> <laughs> Which, but that's that, funny because it seemed way longer to me. No, it was just shows you that's what it is to be that's, 14, 15 years old. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and so they, at that Bible college, everybody had to have a student ministry. So you had to do some sort of ministry. And so I was like, well, I rap, and this other kid raps on campus. And I was like, can I make that my student ministry? And they were like, sure. Because at the time, Urban D, or Tommy Colonnan, had left, yeah. and that was his student ministry. And they were like, we don't have a rapper yeah. now for the college. And they were like, well, what's your name? And I'm like, I don't have a name. They're like, well, you probably should come up with a name. 
for your group. Yeah. I'm like, it's not a group. It's like he raps, I rap, so we're always on the same stuff. So I remember yeah. sitting in chapel one time, bored, and I just started writing down ideas. And for no particular reason, Sons of Intellect was on the paper. I had no real significance outside yeah. of just it sounded cool. Like there's nothing. It may there's nothing. There's no like spiritual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, do well, what does it mean? Because you know, in Christian everything, there has to be a deeper meaning. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You're exactly right. Um, so anyway, you're right. And, and so I came back, and that was over because I wasn't able to go back. I didn't have enough money. It was you know other things were changing. I went to work at the church. I was. My youth pastor left. I took over at the church for him. But, like, in your head at the time, granted, you're in ninth grade, were you having rap dreams? Were you like, this King J. Mack guy is my ticket? You know, like, what, what um, was going through your head? I'll never time? forget, you, you opened up again for T-Bone at my high school on right. the, the, the football field. And my right. best friend at the time, he's like, dude, if you're linking up with this guy, man, you're going places. Because, <laughs> like... <laughs> It was so funny because um, you really captured the crowd. Like, you really had the crowd. Um, and I remember that that was when you had just recorded Mathematical, so you were doing that. And, um, and and I remember I was like, well, I'm not really even sure what's going on with this, but that's when I actually started to, to believe, hey, man, you know, th- this could be something. And um, sadly, at that point in my life, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead, like, hip-hop was more important to me than God. Like, I would not admit that at the time, but looking back, being older now and, and, and being married and having children and, and, and really committing my life to Jesus, I realize, but, I mean, how committed to God can a 15-year-old really be? I mean, I don't know. Right. But you're always harder on yourself than, than, you know what I mean? So, sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. I was like, yeah, man, it, this is, this is going to be a thing. Like, Did I bring you up on stage for that show? No. I, uh, not at all. And I remember, no, not at all. And I remember um, later on, a week or two after that, you had told me like, man, I really like how you handled that because I had asked you, hey man, can I do the show? You're like, no, I, I just, I'm just gonna do it solo. And uh, you had told me you're really proud of how I handled that. Like I didn't get an attitude about it, and and I just kind of stayed there and supported and enjoyed the show. And then, um, but I mean, you didn't totally avoid me. Like after you got off stage, we're hanging out. I got to meet T-Bone that night with you. It wasn't like, you know, you avoided me. It was just, hey, man, I'm doing the you know, show solo, you know, so. You know, it's funny. Now that you mention that, I'll bet you I was I was probably trying to test you. And probably. I that's, that's probably, now that I think about it, that's some something I probably would have done. Because I probably would have been like, let me get you as close to glory as you can and then yank it away. <laughs> because that really shows maturity. Because I was like, man, it's. You know, you're a 15 year old kid trying. It's hard enough as a 20 year old trying to handle the stage and all that comes with it. I was yeah. Like, I was like, as a teenager, it's going to be 15 times harder. And you know, like I think I remember being very like conscious, like I'm doing this for a real reason. And if you can't be on that same page, then I can't yeah. roll with you. And I I wonder if that's maybe what was the next impetus to why I would have been like, well, let's be a crew or let's be, you can be in Sons of Intellect. I wonder if that was probably the catalyst. Maybe it was. Cause di- didn't we start, pri- see, I feel like not too much longer after that, you know, I changed Yeah, I mean, we, um, and, I think and right after that we started. recorded Boogie Down Style. Remember that? 
That's right. Okay, so yeah. that, that's a good that's yep. a good segue. So the studio that I used to record at quite a bit in Fort Myers, Florida, um, every once in a while they would hit me up and the owner would say, hey, dude, we do these free sessions with our students. We teach audio engineering. So you can come in and I'll give you a free session and you just work on your songs and they get the chance to engineer it. And I would always, you know, I was broke, broke, broke 20 year old. So I'm like, dang, any opportunity I can. And I think you're right. I think that is what happened. We brought in some samples, right? We brought in some track samples. Yep. And rather than actually writing a song, this would become a, this would actually become a funny sort of template for us, the way we would write songs. But we were like, let's just freestyle the whole song. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's what we did. We were like, and then and then we would leave a break for like this sampled uh, loop of someone's in. It's that boogie down style. Wasn't right. it? What was that group? It was someone that Rev Run had put out. That was uh, Sin Assassins. Sin Assassins. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. They said that at the end of the song, and so they now we're going up on like royalties. Two... I know, right? <laughs> I gotta find that man. There's so much stuff in here now. I'm gonna have to go find. I think they're all in cassettes somewhere. Yeah. Maybe I can put that the up. Days there, of but, cassette um... tapes and dat machines. Right. So we must have did that, and then I feel like at the time there's some there's there has to be a significant shift. So I remember just right around that time I went on staff at the church. I was working yep. at Cornerstone, which was an inner city. We were inner city home missions plant, and um, I remember uh, something something in my head must have been like I can't keep going by King J Mac. Like this is a terrible rap name. Yeah. <laughs> And I think I, at that point I had moved to a different place. I was dating my wife, now wife. I was dating her. And I never forget, I had this conversation with Dax from LPG on the phone. And he said, I sent him my demo. And he goes, he goes, what, what's, your, what's your name? And I said, King J. Mack. I said this, and he goes, he goes, I would call you KJ. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Really? He goes, I, yeah. Really? He goes, I would call you KJ then. Or something like that. Like he was like, "That's what I would call you," and I was like, "I remember going, man, maybe I should just call myself that." And I yeah. remember, I, do you remember this time? And I'll probably, I think we're gonna end it up here because I got a, I got a jet, and this would be good for a part two because then we can move into the Sunsville like stuff. But do you remember the day I came over and I said I was changing my name? Yeah, do you remember I do. That? And yeah, I do because you I, had a I, I couple of choices. I did. Yeah. See that I don't remember. Please, please elaborate. I don't remember that. One of one of the things was like Cajun, and I was like, like <laughs> Cajun. You're like, no, no, like K J E M or something. And then at the time we started, uh, you, you met up with Dirt out there in San Diego. Yeah. He wanted to call you like K J the Knife or something. And uh, he wanted to call me K J Mac the Knife. Yeah, K J Mac the Knife or something. Something with knife, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then. Um, <laughs> You just kept toying around with the KJ thing, and then uh, the five two came later. Um, so yeah, man, I do remember that. You had like I think three choices. I can't remember the other one that you had, but uh, was it something like KJ the Son of Man or something like that? Do you remember? Uh, I, I, think I remember you talking me out of that name clearly. I yeah, I think it was like KJ the Son or something like something like that. Yeah. Everybody's rap names were like blankety blank the blank blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah, uh, and I was like, man, I'm already Golden Child. We can't have, like, KJ 
the son of man and golden child. Well, well, I remember you go, you're like, son of man? You're like, what do you think, you're Jesus? <laughs> I'll never yeah, forget you right. saying that. Like, you were like, I was like, no, like the son of man, you know, like that's referring to Adam. He's like, no one's going to get that. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. I'm like, no, they're just going to take you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and it's funny, funny because I, I, I really feel like the 5-2, I, I never forget this. I, I remember coming to your house, which I would do on the regular to pick you up or to like yeah. work on music or just something. I remember standing in your little, because it was like to go into your house, there was a little porch door entry. And then yeah. I would have to open that door and then knock the door. And I remember somehow or another, 5-2 just popped in my head. Which is yeah. there's no there was no significance to that at all. Like there was nothing yeah. like, oh, that's uh, blankety blank, or it's because of this. And I just remember kind of like walking in and be going, yeah, I'm gonna call myself KG Five Two. And I go, what do you think? You're like, that's cool. I was like, all right. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> that was about it. I do. Like, yeah, you, I remember that. It, it was never like, oh yeah, what does that mean? It was just like, yeah, sure, throw some numbers on there. Yeah. And don't spell them the way it looks. So it'll be confusing yeah. to everybody for the rest of your life. <laughs> hey, come so, on, check out this beat. <laughs> that's literally was. And so, did you have a? Did you have any sort of production stuff at the time? Yeah, because uh, I remember we. Um, it was right when I got my first drum machine and sampler because we had done um, worldwide. And right. oh, let's kind of get into something like stuff. But yeah, I, I, I had just acquired some equipment. Yeah. So I don't think people can really get perspective on this, but it's funny to think that a 15-year-old kid, which now doesn't sound weird that a 15-year-old kid would be in his bedroom making yeah. music. But, but at back in time, our day, it was odd. That was definitely not, you know, that was not the norm because to, to one, anybody that made beats, you know, you had to make a significant financial investment. Like, you know, it was not yeah. cheap to buy a drum machine. It was not cheap to buy a sampler. It was not cheap, you know... It wasn't readily yeah. available. You had to dig out what you're going to do. And it's not like there was the internet, so to speak, to, like, go and research. So, like, if you were going to yep. sit there and make this investment to make beats, like, you had to really be committed to your craft. And yep. then to just be 15 and to be able to figure out a drum machine and figure out a sampler and, you know, have the ear to find sounds and to program a drum machine. Like, I mean, these are – I don't think people really understand – yeah, significance of that, and like I remember at the time, going, I yeah, and I remember you know, it's not like cut, paste, drop. Dude, send me beats now, like off their Atari beat generator or something like that. Yeah, you know, like you know, this, this, this is outboard gear that you had to sync up. Sometimes we did that to good effect, and sometimes we had no idea what we were doing. But anyway, yeah, I just remember like every time I was coming over then. It became like the thing to do. Like we'd go to your house, I'd sit on your bed, you'd show me a new beat that you did, we'd freestyle to it, and that became like the creative process. Yeah. You know, your brother yep. your brother would come in and annoy us. Yeah. You'd throw him <laughs> yeah. out. And then your other brother would come in and be like, Why are you in my room still? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I shared a room with my brother. I remember that. And uh I mean, it's, it's, if you think about it, it was kind of like a kind of a cool incubation creative space. If you think about it, where like yeah, you could you could work on music without the fear of, you know, how you might feel, or you could work on music and not be like, you know, it was just a lot of a lot of uh, it was an interesting time if you think about it, you know. Yeah. And I think out it of was. that stuff usually comes 
pretty good music. So I'm going to end it here because I think we definitely need to do a part two for the Sons of Intellect era, you know, when that actually became a thing and, you know, yeah. going out and opening up for, you know, then we, the funny thing was, then we started actually opening up for all the groups that we grew up listening to. Yeah. And we started touring and we started, you know, leaving the state and all this is happening independently and yep. like, you know, it was. Hey, it was just very, so you know, I have a shoebox with all those flyers, bro. All those backstage passes and everything. Really? Yeah, I found man, it the other day a, in my studio room. Snap a picture, send it to me, man. For sure, I will. All right, man. Well, well we're going to definitely do a part two. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is uh, Golden Child, King J. Max, Sons of Intellect Era, part one. Love you guys. KJ52 Podcast. God bless. Peace. Between love and hatred, simple ways are held sacred Thoughts of ill nature, should this spawn of atoms Can we become foolish men, compassion is sin Helpless like particles of dust in the wind Pretend to comprehend perils awaiting in the end Betrayed by friends, and lied to by brethren A broken heart in my chest to bless my conquest Release stress, deep breaths, caress the face of death Shine to open the mind of the dumb, deaf and blind Mountains climb, so my flesh I fall aside Body and soul collide, praying for the day in which they coincide Eyes are in Cry for the tears of which they cried Filler to realize callings placed upon our lives Asking many questions but never waiting for the reply We'd rather believe the lies than to open up our eyes Replacing reality with highs to speak the truth But yet my words are never heard Absurd to think that we rob ourselves of our purity and wealth I felt the pain of those reaching out for help A broken man for the sins of which my soul is dealt Crying out to Jesus when my life falls to pieces You ignore my pieces cause the blind man can't see this Sequence of events brought on by diligence